Come in. Hey, Dad. What's wrong, bud? Well, you know, my friends and I are making a podcast right Yeah, okay. But we really want to reach a lot of people. And? We are really struggling to find the right platform to launch ours with. I know you and your friends decided to go with Anger.fm. Well, it is free. Yeah, I know. They have creation tools that let you record and edit your episodes right from your phone or computer. I know, but how did you get all those other places to put your show on? That's because Anchor.fm helps you easily distribute your podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public, Spotify, and more. Wait, they do all that for you? For free? With no listener minimum? You can't go wrong with Anchor.fm. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Wow, thanks, Dad. Just make sure you go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Oh, and welcome to the Wicked Things Podcast. The story you're about to listen to is called Small Town Kids. If you like stories like Stranger Things, The Goonies, or The Explorers, you are going to love this. Afterward, feel free to drop by our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages or even leave a little message below. If you really enjoy our content, check us out on Patreon. Willow walks through the spring green woods with her friend. It's a pleasant sunny day with a gentle breeze carrying the light scent of local wild growing flowers. She beams watching Mike talk to their friends. Everyone looks up to him, and they should. Willow knows deep down that they would do anything to keep his approval. There has always been something about him that commands the respect of his peers some intangible quality that resonated in the hearts of others, a thing found in her many fantasy novels, a heroic essence. The sky grows dark as the group moves their attention to the sky above as it fills with a carpet of heavy low gray and purple snow-filled clouds. A sudden icy wind rips through the forest floor, followed by a thick wall of snowfall. The group of children shivers, looking to Mike for guidance and protection. He stands frozen in place. Everyone scrambles deeper into the forest, seeking protection and cover from what will follow. Willow finds herself alone amidst the chaos of children fleeing in every direction, surrounded by the unrelenting snowfall. She rubs her arms with her hands, stomping through the snow, seeking protection from the elements. Miss Sullivan. Willow presses on until at last she finds a hole in the base of a tree large enough for her to crawl inside. She gets down on all fours, pulling brush and debris from inside the hole out to make more room for herself. She wipes the sweat from her brow and carefully enters the protective space inside the noble forest tree. Willow. Willow stops and peeks out of her protective cover for the source of the voice she hears in the wind. She spots a sudden movement to the left of her, but can't make out what it might be. She narrows her eyes and focuses on the last bush, shaking from whatever passed. Willow recoils in shock as a large man-like shadow burst from concealment, rushing through the snow at her with hands out to seize her. In a moment, it is on her, grabbing her by the leg. She kicks at the shadow man and swings a stick at it to drive it away. Wake up! The monstrous shape pulls her in close. It leans back, revealing a massive maw full of long, razor-sharp teeth. The voice on the wind 
takes on the characteristics of a woman's voice. Willow screams, but no sounds leave her mouth. It swings its maw down on her throat. Willow's eyes flash open and flutter against a brilliant fluorescent overhead light. Her eyes struggle to make out the room. The brick walls have been painted off-white, with a large dark stain behind her on the wall that holds her attention for a moment. A large, dark-skinned soldier in a gray and black uniform scowls at her, standing next to the only door into or out of the room. She can make out a red-haired woman in a lab coat sitting across from her at some kind of shiny metal table. Behind the woman, she can see a large, smooth mirror set into the wall. Where am I? The red-haired woman thumbs through several pages inside of a file. She reads through several pages, waiting for the young girl to come back to her senses. Willow flops back against the back of the metal and green resin chair she has been placed in. She tries to raise her hands from the tabletop, but nothing happens. Curious, Willow looks down, seeing her wrists attached to the tabletop with steel restraints. The steel manacles clank, resisting Willow's efforts to free herself. What the heck is this? The wide-shouldered soldier steps behind her, seizing her by the upper arms and shoulder to get a grip on the young girl before things get out of hand or she hurts herself. She stares her down through a furrowed and wrinkled brow. He shakes her for a moment to get her full attention. Calm down, now! Has telling someone to calm down ever worked for you? Willow blurts out through clenched teeth as she continues to struggle against both the restraints and his forceful grip. The soldier changes his grip, placing a firm hand on the back of Willow's neck. He pushes her forehead down against the tabletop, stopping once her cries muffle against the surface of the table. She jerks her head side to side and pleads with the woman, but sees the red-haired woman filling a large syringe with a thick purple fluid. Willow swallows hard, moaning in discomfort. Her eyes fill with terror as the woman walks around the table to her side. As her heart rate rises, she can feel the rhythmic thump of her heart in her temples. She kicks back against the chair, driving it against the soldier's shins. Get off me! The soldier glares at her and replies to her demands by forcing her head harder against the steel table surface. Willow jerks her head to the other side to keep the woman in syringe in her line of sight. You're making this worse on yourself. Willow can feel his vice-like grip slowly cutting off her circulation. She gasps for air. The red-haired woman pulls down on Willow's shirt collar to reveal her neck. The red-haired woman stabs the young girl in the exposed portion of her neck. Unsure of what to do, Willow stops moving, worried that the needle would pass through her neck. She feels the cold, thick fluid being pushed into her neck. Tears form as a burning sensation spreads through her body. She gurgles and begs, Stop! The red-haired woman settles back down, allowing the chemicals to do their thing on the young girl. She adjusts her lab coat and dress, plucking a lint ball from the hemline. She holds it to face the soldier. He releases Willow's neck, letting her slide back into her seat. 
Is everything in this town such an annoyance? I hope we can wrap this up quickly. The soldier steps away and settles into a parade rest next to the door with his massive arms crossed behind his low back. Willow's eyes blur and move rapidly side to side out of her control. Willow stares at the soldier, trying to make out any military branch pins, but there is nothing to see beyond flat gray fields and black leather jackboots, gloves, hip holster, and belt. Who are you people? The red-haired woman leans across the table, taking Willow by the point of her chin, studying her eyes. She smiles, seeing a glassy quality taking hold of the young girl's eyes. There we go. Good girl. We can finally begin. Let us start with, where are the girl and her dog? Willow smiles like a drunken, drooling frat boy struggling to keep her head up. Her hands shake but she forces a middle finger up to respond to the question. It is not a dog. It's a Phoebe, you old cow. The red-haired woman scratches her head at Willow in response. She pulls back a single sleeve to glance at her watch. She shakes her head and bites her lip. Okay, fine. Where are the girl and the Phoebe at? We know they were inside the house with you and your friends. Willow's words slur. Due to the odd sensation she is experiencing, she realizes it might be a good thing to answer her questions, at least for now. Don't know she should be in here somewhere. Wait, where are we? Doesn't look like Mike's house, unless this is some kind of secret back room. The soldier lowers his head, glaring at the naive girl's actions and lack of respect. He growls in response to Willow's statement. She asked you to tell her where the girl and the dog are. You will answer her right now, or consequences. Willow glances around the empty room, amused with herself, laughing as spittle falls from the corners of her mouth. She sways in an uncontrollable circle as she wipes at the spittle with the sleeve of her shirt. Oops, sorry, guess I got lots of spit today. The large man draws his service pistol from its holster and chambers a single round. He shrugs and levels the semi-automatic pistol at the girl's head. Well, looks like she's forced our hand, Doc. The red-haired woman's face remains empty of anything remotely resembling an emotion. She shrugs and points at Willow. I tried to avoid this, but your actions have consequences. Willow? Sergeant, do it. Willow wildly struggles against the restraints. She watches the soldier's reactions. She remains hopeful he won't do what her imagined tells her he is about to do. Do what? You're not seriously thinking about it. The soldier looks into Willow's eyes, exhales, offering a simple statement. You brought this on yourself, kid. Mike pulls free from the dark emptiness of a dreamless sleep, with help of two loud gunshots nearby. He jolts upright, finding himself in an identical room with a red-haired woman and a soldier standing behind him, beside the room's only door. He can see his reflection in the surface reflection of the mirror mounted to the wall behind the woman.
God, my head is killing me. The red-haired woman gestures to the soldier. He immediately places one of his gigantic hands on Mike's shoulder and pulls his semi-automatic pistol. Please tell us you'll be more cooperative than your girlfriend. Mike blinks and shakes his head. What did you do? What do you want? The red-haired woman adjusts her top and settles into her chair. She pulls a pen from her coat pocket and opens a file on the steel tabletop. Let's focus on the fundamental question. Where are the girl and the dog? Mike stares blankly at the woman. He stutters in shock. What? Which girl? Also, that thing was no dog. The soldier's wide shoulders shake, and he chuckles briefly, but with a fiery glance from the woman. He snaps back into formal attention. Sorry, ma'am. The woman grabs Mike by the chin and turns him to face her. Her furrowed brow and scowl inform him she's not interested in his continued health and well-being. She was with us in the basement until the soldiers came in. Mike's body trembles in fear before he freezes up, hearing two more loud pops of a gun outside of the room he finds himself. What was that? You don't have to hurt anyone else. I'll tell you. Just don't hurt anyone else, please. Mike's brown, doe-like eyes widen as his imagination fills his head with countless scenarios of what they are doing to his friends. Mike's forehead shines with a sudden coat of sweat. His eyes dart side to side and his pulse races. If you don't have Sophie, then what happened to her? I saw Phoebe try to stop the soldiers, but they shot her. But then I blacked out. What did you do to us? The red-haired woman in the lab coat smirks at Mike, then wags a corrective but disapproving finger. It is rude to change the subject once you have opened a dialogue, and both parties are more than capable of speaking about it. The broad-shouldered soldier, in gray and black, steps to Mike's side and places the firearm to the side of his head. He cringes, feeling the cold, hard steel of the pistol pressed against the soft part of his temple. Okay, I'm not sure where Sophie is at. She was with us when you guys took us, I think. Mike closes his eyes, hoping it will force his memory to recall the events leading up to this interrogation. Through the hazy fog of drugs and fear, his mind finally reveals the events before his current peril. Mike remembers collapsing to the floor. He watches as the film in his mind plays out the events before him. Sophie had dropped to the floor, but during the soldier's forced entry, she had been pushed under the sofa. He saw her peek out from beneath the sofa, with tears in her eyes, and her hand clenched over her mouth, keeping her from making a sound. Phoebe chose to confront the soldier and jumped to her feet. She barked as she had done earlier, but a dart stuck in her rear flank. He watched as Sophie gently pulled Phoebe under the sofa with her. Why do you guys want that thing so bad anyway? Mike asked. The red-haired woman in the lab coat chuckled at his bravado. She opened the folder and points to a highlighted bit of text on the page inside. Fine. The dog has been exposed to a rare form of rabies, and those exposed will die if we cannot engineer some kind of cure. Rabies? 
This would be the point where Clancy would say his father told him something about authority and lies. Mike scoffed at her revelation. The red-haired woman nods and pulls a pistol from one of her large coat pockets. She chambers a single round. Sergeant, I will do this one. You think I'm dumb or something? I'm not holding back. I'm telling you everything I know. Mike yells. If you don't answer me right now, I will shoot you in your stupid little face. But I know you won't because all you kids are dumb. You will force us to go door to door, killing everyone in town until we find her. The red-haired woman leaned against the back of her seat, gently shaking her lower leg. Fine. I remember hiding under the sofa with the alien, Mike shouts. A wide, ghoulish grin forms on the soldier's face. He looks at the red-haired woman in the lab coat. She gestures for him to wrap it up. The soldier turns to face Mike one last time. Thank you. Now that wasn't so hard, was it? Mike opens his mouth to speak, but a sharp pain in his chest stops him in his tracks. His eyes rush down, seeing a dart sticking out of his chest. His eyes follow the path it must have taken to reach him. Mike sees the red-haired woman brandishing an odd-looking pistol. She playfully waves bye-bye with pistol to Mike. Put him with the rest of the trash. Mike stares into the black void of semi-consciousness, roused by distant voices familiar to him. Who the... Mike, wake up, Willow pleads clearly. I think he's dead, Ava blurts out. No, stupid, it's a dart, just like the one you and I had, June adamantly corrects. What was in those darts, Sack asks. My dad says they tranquilize people like animals to hold them for questioning later. Clancy adds to their questions. Mike's eyes flicker open. The others gather around and help him sit upright on some kind of smooth, cold steel table. Where are we now? June beams, gesturing to the racks of corpses lined along the surrounding shelves. The clutch clicks and the air compressor turns off, allowing their voices to be better heard by one another. Looks like your typical body storage to me. You know, a morgue. I saw one once when my mom was watching her TV show, Quincy Adams. Clancy and Zack together push against the door, but their small bodies lack the power to perform such an adult feat of strength. Clancy pants and flops back against the insulated, heavy steel door. Zack looks to the others with a grim expression on his face and scoffs while patting the door. It's going to take a miracle to get us out of here. That door is solid. A smile slowly forms on Willow's face. We just need to call for help. Ava pokes Willow in the side of her head with her finger. Are you dumb or something? Clancy speaks up. You know, Ava's got a point, Willow. That door is solid. If we can't hear what's going on outside, how is someone going to hear us in here? Willow pushes Ava away and pleads for the others to remember. No. You guys think. Phoebe said it's hard to talk to us with her mouth, but... Mike thinks hard and then nods to Willow. Yeah, she can talk to us in our thoughts. So, if we concentrate real hard, maybe she can hear us. 
There is no telling how she could get us out. Zack shrugs. I know it sounds silly, but that is about the only way I think we can get help. Mike stands up and walks to the center of the body cooler. He motions for the others to join him. The children make a circle in the center of the room and join hands instinctively. Each member of the group closes their eyes. The room goes silent as each child focuses on their intention of reaching out to Phoebe and Sophie. Time passes. Seconds turn minutes, which quickly become an hour. The kids shiver in the cold storage room, but they keep trying desperately to reach Phoebe. Mike pulls free from Willow's grip. He drags his feet impatiently to the steel door. His voice and the cadence of his walk reveal his exhaustion to the others. That's enough. I knew it was a long shot, but we had to try something. The children, one by one, lower their heads in defeat, releasing each other's hands. However, it's not in June's being to leave out any details the others might not be aware of. Come on, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, them finding us in a one in a million chance. But for us to think we could reach Phoebe with our minds? This is actual life, not a comic book. Zack waves off June's verbal decimation of all hope. He shakes his head in disbelief at June's uttering. He stops and stares at the door. What is that? Clancy scratches the back of his head. What? Zack motions for everyone to stop moving and talking. He closes his eyes and places an ear against the door. He said to the others, I thought so. Someone is on the other side of the door. I can hear a faint tapping on it. Clancy touches Zack on the shoulder and says, Tapping like Morse code? Zack's hazel eyes fill with excitement that his skills will finally be of use. He asks, Quick, I need something to write on, and with. I learned about it in Scouts, but we haven't used it in a while. Mike snatches a toe tag off one dead body and shoves it into Zack's hands. Willow spots a short pencil half and passes it to Zack. He closes his eyes and listens to the rhythmic tapping against the door. The rest of the kids remain silent as Zack focuses on the tapping. Zack taps a response for the sense to repeat the message. This time, he speaks out loud as he interprets the tapping. Step back. The kids look at one another and in unison said, Oh, step back! Mike snaps.